You're one of the only people, I can think of maybe two people, maybe nobody who actually went from what they would consider a practical, guaranteed, money-making career to doing something artistic that they love and was actually able to pull it off. <laughs> so yeah. you you uh, you have a did you have a master's in computer science or what was your degree? So I have a bachelor's and master's in electrical engineering. Amazing. I was a chip designer for about four years. Wow. Didn't like it. Did it because it was the thing that was quote unquote stable. But of course the dot com bust came about in the uh, in 1999 or 2000 somewhere around yeah. there, and that's. Mm. Just really like, and I still worked as an engineer even after that, but it was just like the, um, I really started thinking about the time ahead of me and I'm like, I just can't imagine myself doing this when I'm in my forties. I didn't like it. It was just basically like, if you've watched Office Space, that's the environment that I was in and Office Space read more to me like a documentary than an actual comedy. Uh, um, I know. So it was, uh, you know, and, I, and the time that I made that shift was, uh, you know, uh, during the time where I was courting my wife and about to uh, make that transition. So I was going to get married and, you know, we were going to have our life together, but then I was also going back to school. And that's a pretty terrifying prospect. Right. Because you're at your wedding and you're in, in, everyone knows it's like, oh, you're getting married, but it's like, okay, where are you guys going to go? And I'm like, I'm moving to Savannah. I'm going to go back to school. It's not the typical thing. Right. And, um, so I went back to school, got my MFA in animation at the Savannah college of art and design, and then, you know, worked there. And, uh, when I say work, I was actually an IT guy, but I was taking classes. That's how I could get my classes for free. So you were working and schooling at the same time. Yeah, and um, and then we moved to Tampa for a teaching job. I was teaching at the Art Institute of Tampa for about 15 years, and just this past January, I shifted to St. Pete College. Oh, you did. So I'm, you know, I've been there since January. It's a great school, and I'm a I'm a professor of digital media. So how much of a opportunities for somebody who studies digital media mm -hmm. i mean i i'm guessing there's a lot well graphic design web design film and video i mean those are all growing too so they're growing like crazy i mean we've got so many streaming services we've got podcasts we've got everywhere you go if you go to any store right. or if you go to any public space you will see billboards you will see ads you will see packaging design you know, if you go to a brewery, someone's got to design those brewery labels. It's True. it's very much, you know, without, you know, any kind of visual um, design, the world would just be such more of a boring place. I think there's a lot of opportunity there for web design and interface design, UI design. Those are huge because think about all the devices that we interact with. I mean, now we've got refrigerators that have screens on them <laughs> That's true. where you can go ahead and you can press a button to actually see what's in your fridge without opening it. I remember <laughs> like 30 years ago when they said everything's going to turn into computers. I'm like, yeah, right. Why would I need a computer for whatever it is? To be a lawyer. 
I went to law school because I didn't want to stare at a computer all day. Mm -hmm. Hardy har har. <laughs> all I do is stare at a computer yeah. for 90% of the job. Everything, and what I'm learning about is, as I, as I kind of see where the shifts are occurring, there are there is a growing digital divide. So what, what I mean by that is there, you know, technology is now advanced to a point where you could be on one end of the spectrum where you're fully in it and you're you're kind of like uh, an expert or you're just willing to try new things and mm -hmm. you've got some fluidity with using the digital media. And then there are folks that are just like, I have no clue. Right. And you know, I, I think it's important you know, to, you don't have to be an expert at it, but just to have the willingness to learn. There's so sure. many online courses that you can take. Yeah. We live in a very exciting time in terms of the amount of information that we can consume. The interested individual can literally learn anything they want right. to from the comfort of their own Good home. Good or bad, though. Good or bad. That's true. But... You know, I remember many a summer where I would go to the library to check out a few books yes. and then I would read those books and then right. I'd be wanting more. Right. And there have been several summer vacations yeah. where, well, everyone's gone away on vacation and you're kind of like kicking the can in the neighborhood because there's <laughs> nothing to do. There's there's no cartoons on <laughs> at all hours of the day. There was nothing. I mean, cable TV only came about in the mid 80s for me. I think my favorite thing out of all of it. There's been a lot of bad that's come with the technology, but a lot of good. My favorite thing is being able to get the answer to anything within seconds. Mm -hmm. Because before, you would just never know. Yep. Well, I don't know who wrote that song. I guess we'll never know because I'm not going to the library <laughs> to try to dig up who wrote that song. Yeah. Or whatever your question was. That's true. We have the answer in our pockets, Immediately. so to speak. And, can, uh, yeah, that's fun. I still remember the bar of soap that we had yeah. to carry where it was just like if you had to text somebody, you would yeah. have to press <laughs> yeah. the number one three times to get the letter C. <laughs> yeah, and now we're we we're in a brave new world where you know we can just use our face to go ahead and unlock our phone. Yeah. So these things, I mean, so even with cell phones, like the, the price of that technology has come down so much that it just makes it easier for people to use. I know Apple's been talking about VR for quite some time, and I think like a lot of things initially, there's a, there's a certain amount of skepticism and head scratching. It's right. cool. It's a neat demo, but right, like right. I'm not sure how this would fit in. Right. Um, but, you know. But once you give it five you have years, one? I don't. I've never seen a VR okay, well, uh, experience. Hopefully mine is charged up. You're putting it on. Okay. You I would love to no see it. You have no idea that what you're missing out on. I, I can't wait to try it because honestly, I have, I, I have friends like you that have it, but I've never experienced it myself. How, so I'm guessing you, your students aren't learning how to do this. It doesn't sound like there's too many people making VR animation right now, which to me seems like the next big move. Yeah, that's see when you're making things that are related to virtual reality, um, and, and you're working in a three-dimensional space, you need specific hardware. Like I've been to rooms where they have cameras that are mounted on across every maybe one foot of the room. Oh, wow. So like motion capture to go ahead and capture. You have somebody that basically is wearing a suit, a very specialized suit that has little tracking balls that are on all their appendages. Oh, wow. And so what these cameras will do is it records information 
and it allows you to capture like so if i was going to go ahead and do like a, a, a hand sweep or something like that that motion will be tracked by all those cameras to go ahead and give you a a really rough estimate of what that movement looks like and a lot of these video games now are using motion capture to facilitate animation so you're using a human being with the, the suit on mm -hmm. and then converting that to like a digital image like a say a cartoon or it's map yeah the coordinates are mapped now to a three-dimensional character's uh, skeleton and then that information is then uh, you know uh, tested and then you have an animator that goes behind that to clean it up to look at the data and to take out the extraneous data points to make the action, you know, more smooth or more animated or... Sounds like it's a lot of work. It's a ton of work. Sounds like maybe it would get more popular if it became easier. There are like YouTube videos that are just like live videos mm -hmm. where you can look around because the guy has like a version of a Go GoPro, I think actually makes one. It's a GoPro that does like a 360. Wow. Okay. And... I suppose he wears it on his head. And so you see everything. You can look all around in every That's direction. So it captures cool. everything up, down, everything. And this guy, like, you know, he goes to different places like Rome or Venice or Paris and just walks around making videos. That doesn't seem like any anybody could pretty much do that. But we're talking about doing the animations, a whole other story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy the world that we're living in. I can't even posit what it's going to be like twenty years from now. Like, what are what are you know? Are we going to be walking through a space where we see targeted ads, kind of like in Blade Runner or these uh, other places like Minority Report? I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. I I see two different ways. I think everyone's going to have glasses on that. Mm -hmm. Like when you, to me, it seems crazy. We don't already have it. You'll be driving. Your 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 windshield will have like turn here, turn left, in the name of the street. A car accident ahead, like your phone does. But rather than have to look down your phone, it'll be oh, transparent. Yeah. I can see that happening too. So I force like a heads up display. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that the that's what they call it? Yeah, HUDs. So I foresee the same thing in, in your glasses, or even better, contacts. Where you can, if you want to turn it on or off, and it'll say, it'll tell you, you could see directions or your text message will come up at the top right corner, or, um, little ear pods, that, so it, like you can kind of... Or even maybe a building flashes red so that you know that that's the building that right. you're, you know, that you're putting in your coordinates, right? Right. And not I just for, that happening for sure. Not just for going in directions, but, um, you know, might just pop and say, hey, you know, you like gluten-free food, there's a restaurant over there to the yep. right that has five-star reviews, like, you know, notifications, like we have on the phones now, except it'll just be interactive, like in our field of vision, transparently. I can definitely see that happening. I, you know, I think it's going to bring a lot of really great advances. My concern is that at some point, are there going to be enough people that are going to be able to keep up with that technology and maintain that technology and create that technology because again this digital divide is growing so mm. it's almost like when we have there needs to be a balance of creators and consumers but my concern is that sometimes like for example something that i always dreamed about from watching star trek the next generation were these holodecks right the idea that you could literally program a mm. simulation and walk into a room and all of a sudden you are ensconced in 
wherever you are, like 1940s Europe, or you can go back to Babylonian times or what have you. If we have something like that, why would you ever want to leave that environment? <laughs> There's a lot of talk about that. And so that's the thing. So it's like that that could lend to, like, it, for example, if you take a, 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 you know, maybe a 13 or 14 year old that maybe doesn't have any friends. Yes. But they walk into their holodeck and they are now, they have all these virtual characters that they're interacting with in a very naturalistic way. What motivation do they have to even step outside that world to engage with But it's kind of already like that. Kids are mm-hmm. like so hooked on their devices already. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. But I mean, even as you and I, people who grew up with, they didn't even have this stuff. How addicted are we to our phones? Let's be honest. Very I'm recording addicting. this on my phone. Yep. I mean, and, and I remember when cell phones first started becoming ubiquitous, and I would get really annoyed, which I still do, when I'm trying to spend time with someone and they're not really listening, they're looking at their phone or they're on the phone talking to somebody else. Like, are we going to this restaurant right now, you and I, or <laughs> are you with your friend and I just happen to be along? Because you're talking to your friend. You're not even like, I don't even have anyone to talk to now. Right. And it's changed the way we interact with each other overnight. Yep. Now it's become normal for someone to look at their phone while they're talking to you. I still think it's kind of rude. And I'm sure I do it all the time. I've seen couples at a restaurant, because I love to watch people, Uh where they are not even talking to each other, but they're literally, each person has their own device. And so (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, and the irony might be, that they might be actually talking to each other. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing that I find really, really interesting. This this idea that you know we're we're losing some of that yes. edge, and totally. I think that there needs to be a balance. And it's hard, you know, as a parent, it's hard to, you know, given how much education now relies on technology, it's really hard to say no to certain things. It's like okay, well, they they need a phone because everyone's using the whatever app that it's they impossible. need. It's impossible. And you become the caveman. Yeah. There was a moment in, in the 90s. I was graduating college. It was like 93 or 94. I remember the moment when I was like, oh, no, I see where the world is going, and I don't like it. I was on the phone. It's when this stupid phone menu started. Press 1, press 2, oh. you press 2. None of these are my options. I want a human being. Yep. Human being. I don't understand what you're saying. Human being. Give oh. me a human being. And it's like now – Nobody wants to answer their phones. It drives me crazy. You call a lawyer's office, a doctor's office, the dentist. Nobody answers the phone. No. And they always tell you, have you considered going online to our website? No, I never thought of that. Gee, what a great idea. (laughs) Of course I thought of that. That's why I'm calling because it doesn't say it on your website. (laughs) Yeah. it's, And I think that, you know, given the pervasiveness of like this, it's such an impersonal interaction. Yes. That when a company right. goes out of their way to answer the phone yeah. or when you can reach them on the first ring or better yet, when they say, hey, mm-hmm. we'll call you, yes. leave your number. It kind of blows my mind how many businesses don't realize by paying somebody nine, 10, 11 bucks an hour to actually answer the phone. I, I'm guessing it's happened to you. You don't know how many times I've like I wanted to hire a business for something and it's going to cost thousands of dollars. But I can't even get through initially to say I want to hire you. So I call somebody else. And on their books, they're like, oh, we saved all this money by not having anyone ever answer our phones. But it's the opportunity cost that they're not calculating. And they're like, 
What about all the people that just get so frustrated? There's a, I'm not going to say who, a giant law firm mm -hmm. in the area. Mm -hmm. And I have gotten clients from said giant law firm because the law firm will never let the client talk to the lawyer because they're just too big for their own britches and they don't, they can't get through. And it's, it's, it's like the small of... guy like me. I will call. You can actually talk to me. Yeah. What an amazing experience. I think that's really, you know, in some ways, it can be a great opportunity for the right person to say, okay, this is a problem. This is how businesses are born. But I think a lot of these corporations, you know, by and large, are just kind of so focused on making it difficult, like calling any cable company to get help. Ugh. And here's another problem now. None of us have any patience for anything. Nope. When I used to wait tables, I would notice like once they decided they wanted a burger, they expected it within 30 seconds to like manifest in front of their face. That's how they acted about it. Like, wow. You just decided you wanted the burger right. one minute ago and you're already asking me where the burger is. Do you realize it needs to be cooked first? You know, it's just like, and, and it's gotten way, way worse nowadays. I Attention mean, spans are sh much, much shorter. So to keep someone engaged, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, I'm not on Facebook. Um, I, I have a problem with Facebook, like I'm sure a lot of people do. Yeah, um, big time. So, you know. You know, I, I got to make this comment about Facebook. You know, I, I, before I met you, I ran for office. So this is like in 2010, so... You know, I had like whatever overnight six or seven hundred so-called friends. Mm -hmm. So I would just make a comment about whatever it was, not necessarily political. I'd just say, you know, had a nice day at the beach. We'll say, and there'd be like a hundred views and ten people commenting, and it was like this. I was growing like crazy, mm -hmm. just because I ran for office, so people knew who I was. And then one day. And this is like a 2010 or 2011. I made some comment criticizing Facebook on one of the creepy things they were doing. Do you know, I kid you not, overnight, from that moment on, for the last 10 years at least, when I, if I post anything, nobody almost ever sees I get one, two people looked at it, three people. When it used to be 100, 150, 200, overnight, the moment I wow. criticized them. They did something with their algorithm, I don't care what anyone says, and they blackballed me out. And it, so it got to the point where, what's the point of Facebook for me? If no one's gonna see anything I ever put, then you, you've just basically asked me to leave. Or the only way that you can actually get people to look at it is if it gets a lot of engagement due to some kind of controversial oh, yeah, stance. Which I'm not gonna do. So that's the thing, it's like Facebook mm -hmm. thrives on people being on Facebook because yes. they're doing virtual arguments against one uh, another. But if you just like, I, I, I realized very early on that Facebook was a terrible place yes. to promote my work right. because I would post it, maybe two or three people like you're saying would see it. And it's almost like, well, I've got like, you know, 500 people that are my Facebook friends yeah. and none of them will see it because right. Facebook wants you as the creator to buy ads uh, so that that way your work can be seen. So. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. So what do you think is a better one, Instagram then? I mean, Instagram is owned by Facebook. Right. I guess Meta now, this company. But um, it also has an algorithm, which I'm not a fan of. Maybe one day someone will come up with a, a competitor to Instagram that will allow you to view your uh, feed sequentially, which right. means you see it as it's posted as opposed to 
seeing what the algorithm wants you to see because so, like, it'll, it'll show you the most popular things that gets the most response and right. that's fine and dandy but it's like if it's the same people over and over again right. i'm not really seeing some of the smaller you know uh or more independent artists that i want to see that i followed for that specific reason what i really want out of a social network is to have that sense of community where it's like we all build each other up and we're able to share what we're working on and have a conversation about it. And that's what is Facebook not, originally you would thought that's yeah. what you we thought that's what it was going to be. So, but anytime a pri anytime a public company is mm -hmm. kind of responsible for that, their job is, is about making money and serving ads. Yeah. So that way you are on, they want to keep it addictive enough to where yeah. you have to keep checking it. But it's not in your own best interest where you get to see the things that you want to see. You, you know what else kicked me off of Facebook? Actually, more than all of it is the, the political hate. Oh, yeah. But the political hate, when I realized that there were two people, two different guys that I'm friends with, one of whom I was friends with since at least third grade. Wow. A very good friend of mine. And we're, we're getting to the point where we're not even on talking terms. Thanks to Facebook, I'm like... This this thing, however you want to talk about it, has ruined a couple of friendships. Oh, At yeah. least two or three off the top of my head. I'm like, I'm done. It, I still want to be friends with those people. I they don't need to know what they believe politically. Like they just bait us into hating each other. It's yeah, just the same I could thing go happened on all to me day. Day. Same I lost a friendship yeah. and I have regrets about that, but it's mm -hmm. just like again, it's over mm -hmm. You know, a comment, and right. then it gets into a little virtual yeah. argument, and yeah. then it's like, you know, I lost a good friendship that I probably would have had in real space. Yes. You know, but you you put something, especially political stuff, you put yeah. something there, and it's like all of a sudden, even LinkedIn is becoming like that now too, which is, is sad. It? Yeah, it's like you know, LinkedIn is supposed to be a professional network that is, you know, allows you to to network yeah. and engage with others, but. Uh, you know, I'm seeing LinkedIn take a lot of the characteristics of Facebook where I'm like, this isn't really professional content here. Why, why is this showing up? Yeah. You know, and, you know, so I haven't it, seen it, but I don't doubt you know, it. it's like political this or something this. It's like, you know, you know, I get it that you want to have an outlet to share something, but it's like, this is not. I don't know. I think professional because it's all kind of new. I think people are going to get Hopefully, my hope is that everybody gets sick. I my hope is that people get sick of being angry and hateful with each other. I mean, the, this is kind of going off topic, but the direction of this country, like, I'm so tired of everybody hating everything. I'm so tired of everything turning into politics. You name, just give me a word in the English language, and they've politicized it. Yep. It doesn't light. Oh, here we go. I'm looking at a light. Well, the light is energy and. Then that we should have more coal. No, we shouldn't. The solar power. No, this that doesn't work. I mean, every single thing. When they figured out how to politicize sports, that was the end. That that's the one thing you could always talk about. Mm -hmm. Did you watch the game? Oh, I don't watch the game because then they started. They go into some political thing. So now we can't even talk sports. Is no. there nothing left? I think what has this is my personal opinion, but I feel like where things started to really begin to go off the rails was with the advent of the 24-hour newsletter. Yes, I agree completely. I remember a time yes. as a child where you just had the major yes. networks. The information you know, was mm -hmm. succinct. 
Yeah. It wasn't going to tell you everything that was going right. on, but it was like what you needed to know. It was a half an hour. Yeah. They all ran at the same time, so you yeah. watched either NBC, ABC, or CBS, yeah. <laughs> and then you were done. Yeah. I think what has happened is because we have a 24-hour cable news network or right. networks, there is pressure to find things that are going to be controversial right. to keep people. This is, again, like social media. It's like... Mm-hmm. They, they kind of started this process. It works, right? It's like you, you, you put some kind of a polarizing opinion mm-hmm. and now you've got that person now mm-hmm. angry and mm-hmm. you know ready to do something and now they're watching and they're getting more, you know, uh, they're getting more angry and they're kind of like continue to perpetuate. They're gonna, oh, and they're engaged. This. Yeah, they're engaged. Right. And so the, this idea, I think what has happened is you know, we get caught into our own echo chambers where we look for information that validates our position mm-hmm. on some particular item. And that's that's what happened with Facebook. I think mm-hmm. that when when you find people that say the same things that you do, then you're going to get more of that information yes. on your feed. Better they keep feeding you that. And then, so that keeps you engaged. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's kind of like you now have this mindset where if someone mm-hmm. pre- presents anything that is in slight right. disagreement with what you believe in, it's like it creates a lot of animosity. It, and, it's a perfect storm. When I ran for office, I was just telling my friend this yesterday. When I ran for office, I was giving, I was given a course. And the course taught you how to get people on your campaign. Okay. Both sides, you know, there's all this data science now. So they have it down to a science. Both sides know, and any political party around planet Earth knows, people are something to the effect of eight to ten times more likely to make calls, send out flyers, and give money to your campaign and show up to your events if they're angry and scared. If they're happy and satisfied, they don't care and they want to go to the beach with their kids. But if they think the, the sky is falling... And you're going to kill them. They're going to spend lots of money and get very angry and animated and go pound the streets and go fix it. So both, both in this country, both political parties want you as angry and scared of the other side as they possibly can. At the same time, the news sells something to the order of eight to ten times more when people are angry and scared. They're more likely to buy whether it's a paper or digital copy or just to log into the website to read the news, if they're satisfied, they won't read. So now nobody has the incentive to keep you happy. They all, they all want you scared and angry. But it's becoming a perfect storm where everyone's walking around angry and scared and hating each other all the time. And, and society's become a hellhole. What makes it worse is the fact that information is not being corrected. And even if it is corrected... It's not, um, you know, like if there's a retraction for something, no one sees the retraction. No, so they're not it, interested It's kind of in like, that. you know, in, in a newspaper, you know, decades ago, if there was a misprint or something that was said in yes. error, you would read the opinion column, yes. you'd read the letters to the editor, and they would yes. say, well, this is how, this is not true, this, right. this, this. But no one validates. Everyone, it's like they do a surface Google search. Like, I think statistics say that, when people are doing a Google search, if it do, if they can't find the answer within that first page of search terms, they don't go to the no, second, third, don't. fourth, no, fifth, they, fifth they page. Don't. 
it just stops. That first page Google search <laughs> is it. You don't get the true. answer there, then it's you don't true. need to know it. <laughs> well, and I'll say this because, at least from my experience, most of the time, if it's not on the first page, it doesn't, you won't find it. So don't waste your time. Yeah. The, and, and so that's, instead of, instead of digging deeper, we have all become shallow swimmers. And um, that's not a good thing. Like you had to go to the library once upon a time and you had to dig through right. volumes of books or other information to do adequate research. And I think the technology has helped that in some ways, but in some ways it's like it's made us so lazy so that we get the information, you know, it, wh whoever has the top search, that information is passed on. Is it correct? We don't know. We just assume that it's correct. That's what I had a problem with Facebook. It's like, they, you know, the, the post that I would see, it's like, well, that's not true, but it's like, you know, these, these are designed to, to create emotion and designed to go ahead and manipulate people into thinking a certain way. So even if you said, Hey, like, you know, I'm, you're, I'm for sure you're familiar with the, the website snopes.com, yes. mm -hmm. which is basically like, okay, mm, you know, that thing is not certified true that right, has been made right, up. Right, right, right. And I would be the guy on Facebook where someone posts something crazy yeah. and I'm like, no, that's mm -hmm. not true. And no one saw that. Right. <laughs> or very few people saw that. Or, you know, we, we've gotten to the point where we're doubting science. We've got flat earthers. Oh, we've got people that are just like, you know, believing in all these conspiracy theories of this and that. I mean, it's because... We, it's like a conspiracy theory lives because it's kind of like you're feeding into it. You're, you're feeding into that fire. And people, sometimes the simplest answer is just not acceptable because it doesn't seem like it should be that simple. Well, the, you touched on something else. The other problem is that, well, there's two, two other things I want to add to it. One thing is because it used to cost so much money to put something into print mm -hmm. and because – there were only a few entities and it was actually like a, uh, a career mm -hmm. to, to be involved in the media and to write articles in the newspaper. You had to have the credentials and you would get naturally vetted unless you had your own little fanzine, but I'm not talking right. about that. And so we have a natural bias to believe if it's in print, even if it's digital print, it's true. You need to dig in and see whether that's yeah. True. Just because a New York Times article is saying something right. doesn't necessarily like you have to have sources. Right. And what is happening is on both sides, you've got journalists that are yes. positioning their point of view yes. instead of letting the audience make right. the determination on their own. That's what's happening now. It's like mm -hmm. you're not really, you know, expected to think, for lack of a better way of saying this. People are, want the information spoon-fed. This is how you should think yeah. about this particular topic, yeah. and that's what causes a lot of, you know, misunderstandings and, um, you know, like everything is like black and white. And that's not. There's a lot of shades of gray in this or, world that we live in. It's almost all shades of gray. Yeah. So, it, you know, when when people are making these you know, inflammatory comments without even thinking about what they're saying. And that's the thing too. I think the immediacy of being able to post information yes. is a big problem. Like you're saying in, in, in the old days with, you know, going on television or going, you know, uh, picking up a magazine, you consume media from official sources. Yes. And so there was, there were vetting, 
things. Like right. in order for something to go on a newspaper, you had to go through the assistant editor, then the editor. Yeah. It had to be like everyone scrutinized yeah. this stuff. Now you got somebody with a blog, you, and then boom. You see, I I point this out all the time to whoever I'm with. You will see major newspapers. I'm not going to pick on anyone. We'll just say Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and sometimes. There'll be a, a typo in the headline. Yep. Because that's how much pressure they have to get, to spit it out in instant time. There's no way in the 70s there would have been regular typos in the headlines on a major national newspaper. Nope. I mean, if there was, you'd be fired. You know, spelling, do you read this aloud or is it just like you're just typing this out as a stream of consciousness Hunter Thompson-esque essay? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and the, so. the other point I wanted to raise to you, though, is just like everybody is a double-edged sword. There's some good to it. The access to the information is very good. I love having access to information. Oh, me too. And it's like on medical problems I'm having or whatever, I've actually been able to like find some extremely valuable information. But on the other hand, everyone's become not only a subject matter expert in their own brain, but no respect for the actual subject matter mm -hmm. experts. I have clients that like start arguing with me about the law. It's like, I'll listen to what you had to say, but you've got to be kidding me. Like, yeah, it's like this I, is what I've been doing for 22 years and went to school full time for it. I mean, it's like, you can, but they read something on the internet. Oh yeah. And so now they know more. Yeah, that that's the I think the bane of what immediacy does. Again, because people don't go beyond the cursory search. I wanted to ask you this before I forget too. Why don't you tell them about your content that you make, the the your animations and stuff? Okay, so I I'm all over the uh, the the internet, but my website is Krishna Draws, K R I S H N A draws.com and I'm on Instagram with that same handle at Krishna draws so that's where people can find my work and they can see what I do um, you know I, I I draw a lot of like comics or comic related illustrations and, and things like that too, thank you and I, I used to make a web comic for about 20 years called PC weenies which was a tech themed comic um, and I've since kind of retired that comic um, but you know every now and then when I get the hankering to, to, to make fun of something that just annoys me I will make a comic for the website, but I don't really actively make that comic as much as I used to. I'm putting all my energies now into YouTube and creating, you know, content that I, that my uh, clients want. I'm gonna uh, wrap it up. So sure. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. It's the day the lawyer podcast. <laughs>